Rez Onifer had gotten into hyperspace well before everyone else with the help of the droid he was now becoming fond of, R4W9. The droid was an expert at astrogation, and they arrived at Port Evoc long before the others. Their quick jump and their recent success called for a celebratory drink. But first, Rez had to get R4 that oil bath he had promised. So he dropped the droid off at a droid maintenance station and paid for the works. As he left, he realized that he had forgotten the medallion inside it, but he figured it was safe there. Certainly safer than if he made a big show to run in and pull it out. He went for his own celebration at a local bar, Ravenwoods. It was just emptying out of a lot of his clients as they had to go to work. Rez happened to be coming in during an off hour. Good timing. All the faster for him to get service. He scooted up to the bar and started with a shot and a drink he could combine. As he finished them and went on to a third, four men entered. Rez turned to see if it was his team, but even though it wasn't, he continued to look at them as they were walking straight toward him. The front one, a shorter man with a creepy face, was staring right at Rez. You all want to have a drink with me? Rez asked. We are, uh, not thirsty. The man continued to stare at Rez while his goons made an arch around him. The Wookiee took one side and the Trandoshan took the other, both blocking Rez's escape. The third one, a Gand, took Rez's pistol from his belt. Rez did not resist. The bartender moved to the back room. Where is it? The creepy man asked. Where is what? Rez asked, trying to remain coy. Your face is on every bounty hunter network now. At least we'll let you live if you just give us what they're paying us to collect. I... you must have me mistaken for someone else. Where's that bartender? The Wookiee grabbed his hand and slammed it against the bar, then held it there, crushing it slowly. If you will not tell me where the medallion is, then you are useless to me, and we might as well kill you and ask the next one who comes to meet you. Rez stammered. He didn't want to die here, but he was torn over giving it over to them. He was just about to say okay when blaster fire came from the doorway, hitting the Wookiee in the arm and causing it to let go and flinch away. All four bounty hunters turned to the doorway to find Huff Vassett there, framed in the doorway. His two heavy blasters had the drop on them. Let him go, he said. The Gand tried to fire, and Huff shot him, then dove for cover. Rez rolled over the bar, grabbing his gun as he went. The bounty hunters ran for cover as well. The creepy guy shot at Huff while the Trandoshan tried to get an angle on Rez without exposing himself to Huff. With the Trandoshan pinned down, Rez stood and got a clear shot on the creepy guy, wounding him and sending him stumbling out of the bar. The Wookiee rushed Huff's position. Its arm had caught fire where it got hit, and he let it burn as he swung it down on the table Huff was hiding behind, smashing it and setting it ablaze. With the coast clear from him, the Trandoshan leaped up on the table and bore down on Rez, who swung around the corner. The Trandoshan walked along the counter, his gun at the ready to fire as soon as Rez came into view. Huff was ducking under the Wookiee's mighty blows as it swung its flaming arm at him. He fired a couple times into it, but they just made the Wookiee more angry. Huff rolled over a table that the Wookiee destroyed right after him. Rez found a cabinet with rags and he got an idea. He grabbed a bottle of whiskey, pulled the top off, doused a rag, then stuck the rag at the top. A Molotov cocktail, or whatever they would call it in the Star Wars universe. He lit it by firing just at the tip. The Trandoshan heard the shot. That didn't come anywhere near me, it said as Rez came into view. Rez chucked the bottle at the bar at the Trandoshan's feet. It exploded and the lizard man lit up in flames. Rez fired and hit him right between the eyes. Huff was now just smacking the Wookiee with the butt of his blasters, hitting everywhere he could. The burning of the Wookiee's arm was finally having an effect on the beast, and it was slowing down. Huff smacked a chair across its face, and it finally gave up, running outside while it put out the flames on its arms. Huff looked over at Rez, both men panting for breath. Huff suddenly remembered. 
Where's the medallion? It's safe, Red said. Let's go get it. He joined his partner and the two men headed out of the smashed up bar. Huff noticed the bartender peeking out from the back, horrified at what had happened. Sorry about the mess, Huff said, flinging a credit in the direction of the bar. Welcome to Star Wars, Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. While going through the computers in the control center, Praxis found the planet Valina had seen in her visions, Shun. The people who built the station had found the medallion with some large ruins on the primary planet of the system, and had recorded this in their databanks. Unfortunately, they had said nothing more, so the group would have to search the ruins for the correct place to use the medallion. They might have had to search the woods for the ruins themselves, but they saw their tips sticking out of the forest canopy a dozen or so miles away from the town they were heading toward for a landing, Oriac, City of the Living, so named because it was a refuge from the strict laws of the Empire and the local houses. A wide variety of people lived here in various communities. Some were people who were hiding from something, some were non-humans afraid to go elsewhere for what would happen to them, and some were individuals simply wanting a better life than that under the thumb of authoritarian governments. And then there were the criminal organizations, which were setting up their own small authoritarian regimes over a few blocks. And there was the community of Imperials and their allies who had constructed their own buildings and even their own landing pad at the edge of town along the shortest road to the ruins. This was not only to remain segregated from the locals who might try to ambush them, but it was also to block anyone from interfering with their project. Praxis, who was operating the sensors, confirmed that there were also vehicles and personnel swarming all over the ruins. It was a pretty large operation. He wondered if one person in particular was among them, someone he had seen listed in the databanks downloaded from the Obsidian Spire. They landed and immediately set about various tasks around town. Huff took his dog for a walk. Kyle discreetly spied on every Imperial checkpoint. Rez and R4 refueled the ship and checked for any maintenance issues. And Valina escorted Praxis as he went to search for the location of the woman he used to work with who was now living in the area. Marion. Being a town where most people didn't want to be found, there wasn't much information provided in directories, if they could even be found. So Praxis's best bet for finding her was to provide as much information to someone with the ability to seek within the Force. He described Marion in detail, and added what he had learned from the computer databank. The amount of detail he provided made it clear that he and Marion had once been intimate. Did it end well? she asked. I left her, he said. She had doubts about whether the Empire was the right thing. I had a promotional opportunity. Into Life Seed, she said. Well, if you can see the whole damn thing, just watch for yourself, he said. Valina smiled. How ironic. That I'm with you and she's still with... 
Is she with Lifeseed or just helping the Empire? Valina asked. That's part of what we're going to find out, he said. Valina understood, and they headed to the area of town where Marion was most likely to live so she would have a better chance of finding her. Kyle found the checkpoint the Imperials had along the road out of town toward the ruins. It was secure, and the guards were alert enough to convince him that there was no way through it without being heavily scrutinized. However, the surrounding area at this point just outside of town was wooded, and he located points from which they could leave town without being spotted by guards at the checkpoint. He looked over the other roads as well, but based on the maps he picked up, they would do little good as none of them connected to the ruins. Rez had the fuel line connected and filling up the ship. He was walking around the periphery, double-checking R4's inspection of the back end of the hull. Everything seemed in place so far, and his eyes wandered to other ships docked in neighboring ports. One piece of a ship caught his eyes four stalls down. It resembled a metallic tail, and bore a red tent. A specific red tent. Rez walked toward the ship and outward to get a better angle on it. As he did, he found that it was a Star Viper. As he got closer, he confirmed that it was, indeed, THE Star Viper, the ace pilot they had faced three times in battle, the only one to have damaged the Logan's run, the one he and Huff wanted so badly to destroy. This was either too perfect or a major problem. He was considering which of these it was when he spotted the pilot, whose back was to him. He was an older man with graying hair. He gave specific and strict orders to the droids who were doing maintenance on his ship. His exact fastidiousness was somehow familiar to Rez. The order in which he went through the checklist was even the same as Rez's. He watched the man curiously for a little while, trying to put his finger on what seemed so familiar. Then the man turned around, looking over the spaceport. Rez's jaw dropped to the ground the moment he saw the man's face. It was his father. Unable to move, Rez was still standing there slack-jawed when his father spotted him. His eyes grew large and he sprang at Rez, a smile shooting across his mouth. My boy, he shouted. Rez could not move, and when his father reached him, he embraced his son. Oh my God, you're alive! You're alive! Yeah, I am, Rez said, and so are you. His father's smile faded. He had a lot to answer for. I got a job that would pay enough that we would never have to worry again. Not about the Empire, not about syndicates. No one would be our masters but us. I got a job, too, as a pilot. Rez's father beamed with pride, but concern. I'd hoped you would stay put so I could return to you. Rez shifted uncomfortably. He was wondering if he should show his dad what ship he was flying. His father stepped toward him and spoke quietly. I'm finishing a job now that, when it's done, I can retire. We can both live off the money I'll be making to live wherever we want and however we want. We can get a better ship together and explore the galaxy. Outrun the Empire, the Syndicates, the Houses. Live as we see fit. Yeah, Rez said. That sounds nice. Come on, his father said. I just finished prepping my ship. Let's get lunch. My treat. Rez agreed, and his father put his arm around him, and they walked out of the spaceport. Praxis had done thorough enough research on Oriac that he was able to pinpoint what neighborhood Marion was likely to live in. Valina was growing strong enough in her abilities with the Force to figure out where Marion was and follow the trail to her home. Praxis knocked on the door. He heard a child inside calling to her mother. Valina noticed a nearby rat lizard climb a wall and watched them from there. A woman close to Praxis's age opened the door and stalled the moment she saw him. I 
happened to be in town and thought I might drop by to say hello, he said. Then he added, This is my friend, Valina. Marion greeted them, then quickly invited the two inside. They passed a handful of children on their way to the living room. There she offered them tea and they chatted pleasantly. Valina primarily stayed out of the conversation, mostly allowing Praxis and Marion to catch up, such as it was. Praxis told her about working for a special agency for the Empire. She understood that he could not tell her anything more than that. He left out the fact that he had defected. She told him that she had continued to work for the Empire for a time, but quit when she got married. She didn't mention the fact that she didn't like the Empire in the first place. He either wouldn't remember, or it didn't matter. Her husband was a botanist who had worked for a private company, but that company had been contracted by the Empire to help understand the flora and fauna of this planet. Some things come around full circle, she said, giving a half-hearted chuckle. Praxis smiled. Felina scanned her mind. She saw regret there, a feeling of having finally escaped the Empire, only to be dragged into its service through her husband's business. Felina felt the pain. She heard the arguments like echoes from the past. Marion's husband did not understand the horrors of the Empire, and felt as though it was a step up in his career. Marion wanted to know more about Praxis, and he spoke vaguely. He showed more interest in her husband's work, what was going on at the ruins. Marion sensed something in his questions, and she invited them out onto the rooftop balcony where they could chat over a wider view of the town, and where it was less likely they were being bugged. Indiana was curious about every building and wanted to pee on every plant. It wasn't often that he got to walk along the streets of an actual town. It wasn't often he got to go out for a walk at all. Huff had had to resort to picking up its poop around the ship. Huff used the opportunity to get a sense of the town. What he noticed the most was how communities were definitely split by their architecture. No signs were needed to express that one was walking into a new area, sometimes living and let living, other times watching each other carefully. As they returned to the ship bays, Indiana was getting excited to return to his bed in the Logan's Run. A few bays down from their own, however, Huff stopped, amazed by what he was seeing. The Red Star Viper they had faced in space. The one he wanted to destroy with every fiber in his being. At the restaurant, Rez and his father caught up as best they could without giving away who they had been working for and what organizations they associated with. It became a dance of avoidance, each wanting to connect, but neither willing to give away their secrets. They both claimed to be transporting simple goods. Rez claimed to still be working for Space Uber, piloting the ship of whomever hired him. This tracked since that's what he would actually been doing until recently. His father had more difficulty in his lies since his ship did not have much storage space. Rez avoided confronting him with this. He was having a good time. He even wondered what it would take to get his father to drop who he was working for and fly with him. Probably more money than he had, but it would get him out of the most dangerous game. Marion, Praxis, and Valina arrived on the roof to find a couple of Marion's children playing with a lizard monkey who was on the table. Where did this animal come from? Marion asked. It was playing, Mama, one of the kids said. Can we keep it? The other child asked. Play with it over there, Marion said, pointing to the other side of the balcony. They did, and the lizard monkey followed them while Marion sat with Praxis and Felina to talk. Felina kept her attention at least partially on the lizard monkey while Praxis focused on Marion. Now for some real talk, Marion said. I've scanned this balcony every morning to make sure it's clear. We can speak freely here. Praxis appeared hesitant to speak. Marion started. I see a change in your face. You're no longer with them, are you? 
Praxis looked at Valina. She shrugged. He was already on the lamb. Marion was only risking herself. You were right, he said. The Empire was doing things much worse than even you imagined. Like what? she asked. Then she stopped. Never mind, I don't want to know, and the children might overhear you. I need to ask you some things you might know, Praxis said. Marion leaned forward, intrigued. Huff was going through everything they had on the Logan's run that might help him get past the maintenance droids who were working on the Star Viper. He couldn't believe the luck he had running across this ship light years away from where they had fought it. Did it mean they were being followed? Maybe. But then where was the pilot and why land so close? He remembered Praxis's clothes. He wasn't wearing his Imperial officer uniform. Didn't want to stand out in the crowds. He also remembered the R4 unit was a type of droid the Imperials typically used and he had a handful of grenades. Praxis told Marion that he wanted to know everything he could about the ruins. He didn't tell her why he knew about the ruins, nor the reason he was interested. He just told her that one of the Empire's most heinous projects was at work on the planet, and any information she could give him would work to ending it. Marion told him that her husband was not studying the ruins themselves, but the plants and trees around them. However, those plants and trees did butt up to those ancient buildings, so she knew the structures of which he was speaking. She told him about each one, and what they had inside. She also told him which ones the Empire was looking inside, and where they believed the Coven sarcophagus to be. Most importantly, she told him about the topograph chamber, a sort of map room that had the original village before it was ruins mapped out on the floor. She described a space for something round to go into the entrance. It was the perfect size for the medallion. Praxis took a risk and showed it to her. She grasped with amazement and soaked it in with her eyes. Then, rather quickly, she told him to put it away. They would kill for that, she said. Yeah, they've tried, Praxis said. The truth is, they've got no idea where to find it. Basic arithmetic says they'll find it eventually by process of elimination, but that would speed up the process enormously. How do we use it, Praxis asked. There's a slot at the entrance. You can't miss it. You'll need to connect it and place all the dials around in the proper slots. Then, right at sunrise, the light will hit it just right, and you'll be shown where the coven sarcophagus is. Valina, who had drifted off, suddenly noticed that the rat lizard was gone. She jumped up from her chair and said, I have to go, and she ran down the stairs and out of the house. Rez and his father ended their meal and headed out of the restaurant. Both were searching for the right words to end on for very different reasons. His father finally provided his comms code so Rez could reach him. Rez did the same. My mission is almost complete, his father said. When it is, I'll have enough to give us all the freedom we need. The galaxy will be our backyard. I'm finishing something too, Dad, Rez said. Then when it's done, can we get together? Yeah, Rez said, holding back his emotions. His father did not hold his son. He grabbed his son and held him in a bear hug. I've missed you, son, he said through gathering tears. I don't expect you to understand why I left, or the things I've done, but I did them all so we would never have to worry again. I love you, Pop, Rez blurted, without even meaning to. They separated from their embrace. His father was smiling from ear to ear with tears streaming down his face. I'll call you when the job is done. The galaxy will be our backyard, Rez said. Still smiling, his father walked away, back toward the hangars. Rez took an alternate route not wanting his dad to see what ship he went to. Huff and R4W9 approached the Red Star Viper. A droid approached to ask his business, 
But Huff took the initiative, saying in his most snooty imperial voice, I am here to inspect this vessel. It is suspected of carrying out criminal activities against the Empire. Yes, sir, the droid said, standing down. All your maintenance droids are to back away immediately, and they are not to interfere. The lead maintenance droid was hesitant, but complied, ordering the droids to back away. Huff winked at R4, who backed away as well, remaining just close enough to be able to send an alarm if something went wrong. Huff headed straight for the cockpit. He climbed in and got out of sight of any prying eyes. There, he pulled out his grenades. He had four of them. Three should do the trick. He placed them at strategic points all along the console. They had short timers, as all grenades did, so he would have to move quickly. He readied himself to run. Then he set each one to go off, and he leaped out of the ship and ran as fast as he could. Fire in the console! There's a fire in the console! He shouted. The maintenance droids headed toward the cockpit, baffled by what the man was saying. The cockpit exploded. Some of the droids blew apart with it. Others were knocked over. Huff stumbled, but kept his feet. R4 returned to Logan's run, but Huff thought better of going right back. Others might see him going there, and that would blow their cover. He headed out into the town, disappearing among the people. He removed the Imperial jacket, turning it inside out and tying it around his waist so the t-shirt was more visible. As he arrived at the town square where he intended to double back, he came upon Rez walking the other direction. The two nodded and approached one another. Suddenly Rez shouted, Look out! and dropped behind cover. Huff was a little slower, and a blaster shot whizzed right by him as he dropped behind some steps. He peeked up to see a group of syndicate goons firing at them with blaster pistols in one hand and wielding short swords in the other. Other civilians in the courtyard ran into nearby buildings. Rez and Huff peeked up from their crouched positions and fired at their assailants. Two of them charged Rez, who shot down one of them, but the other got to him and engaged in hand-to-hand combat. Huff fired at multiple targets with his twin heavy blasters, taking down multiple enemies. But then their commander took aim and fired, hitting him with a strong barrage, knocking Huff back. He tried to get up and fire again, but was hit a third time. Huff fell back on the stairs and did not get up again. Appalled by his friend's demise, Rez let loose with a barrage of punches, knocking out the minion. More blaster fire came from the opposite side, pinning Rez down. He wasn't as good a shot as Huff. His place was in the air. He didn't stand a chance against a whole squad and their commander. Suddenly, the hum of a lightsaber sounded from one side of him. Then the hum of another came from the other side. Valina was the source of one sound and Kyle was the source of the other. They sliced through the thugs who were attacking from both sides. Between them and the dog, it didn't take long. The syndicate minions were running for their lives. Rez barely heard it. He was still in a daze. He looked over at Huff's body. He was splayed out across the steps. He looked over to where his father was, or had been. He was gone as were the mechanics. It was all too much for him, and he laid back and fell unconscious. Praxis had nearly gotten lost in catching up with his old flame. There was a refreshing feeling in seeing someone he had once been intimate with in the new light of friendship, a cathartic nature in the closure. But he had to get back. Huff had been hit. He was near death and was fading fast, and they couldn't take him to a hospital. It would take a miracle to save him. They had no back to tank, so he would have to use every ounce of medical knowledge he had learned to have a chance of saving him. In game terms, it would mean a great roll of the dice, and he got it in spades. Two triumphs and two successes with no failures. For those who don't know the rules, a triumph result is a 1 in 12 chance, and Praxis's medical skill specialization meant that each one counted as two successes. Huff would live. Barely. He was maimed and would have a limp that he continuously hid from others. They had also used all of the med packs they had to revive him. 
For now, he tried to sit up and ask when they would be heading out to strike back. Everyone else tried to have him sit back and relax. He would need to recover whatever strength he could. Rez explained that he had met his father, and that he was the ace fighter who they had faced in their battles around Bora Barossa. Your dad's a dick! Huff shouted, but Rez did not care. He wondered if he would have another chance at speaking with him. I have no doubt of that, Valena said. Yeah, but don't let it get in our way, Huff said. Praxis moved them on to the task at hand. The topograph chamber would reveal the location of the Coven sarcophagus at sunrise. They could wait until the next day to travel in the light, or they could set out right away to travel by night, getting to the topograph chamber by morning. Valena suggested they set out the next day. Huff needed time to rest. Huff sat up, saying, I don't need time to rest. I'm fine. Valena scoffed at him. I'd rather wait a day, too, Kyle said. But after what happened today, who knows how long it will be before they know we're here, and the Empire sends forces out to find us. And the medallion? R4 spun its head and made a sound. It agreed with Kyle. The others nodded. Only Valina was concerned. Huff smiled and winked at her. It'll be fine. Besides, this is important, Valina. Trust me. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody! <laughs>